Over his 34-year career, my husband has authored over 50 published articles, along with several books, videos, and audio training programs on the subject of network marketing. He's also been repeatedly recognized as one of the top network marketing trainers in the world. In June of 2011, he was invited to visit our company's home office. He was so impressed with what he saw that he decided that day to walk away from his lucrative speaking and consulting career and got started as a team of one. Today, that team of one has grown to over 200,000 customers, associates, managers, directors, executives, and millionaires in 17 countries. Today, my husband and I work together and we are extremely grateful to have been recognized as the number one income earners for our company worldwide. But what I'm most excited about today is that thanks to podcast technology, you can learn the leadership skills, the leadership lessons that will help you grow your own world-class team. With that in mind, let the man who's been teaching others about leadership for decades share what he's been teaching with you. Ladies and gentlemen, please allow me to introduce my business partner and the love of my life, my husband, Michael S. Klaus. Many years ago, I had the opportunity to meet Brian Tracy when he appeared live and in person in Seattle, Washington. Having studied Mr. Tracy's works for more than a decade, including The Psychology of Selling and The Psychology of Achievement, I guess you can say I was a little more than a fan. I had arrived early and been fortunate enough to secure the coveted front row center seat. And as I sat there waiting for the festivities to begin, surrounded by a thousand, no make that 1,500 excited businessmen, businesswomen, and a few crazy entrepreneurs, I guess you might say I really had no idea how profound an impact that evening would have on my life. After Mr. Tracy had been introduced, after the roar of the audience had subsided, Mr. Tracy opened his conversation with us that evening by asking the following question. Why is it that some people are more successful than others? Allow me to introduce myself. My name is Michael Klaus, and what so profoundly affected me that night wasn't so much the question, why is it that some people are more successful than others? It was the fact that I had been asking this same question for years. What about you? Have you ever wondered why it is that some people are more successful than others? Of course you have. We all try to figure out the differences between the haves and the have-nots, the individuals in our respective businesses that might earn 5, 10, 15, 20 times more income, and yet they're representing the same company, have access to the same territory, are paid off the same compensation schedule, and yet these individuals marketing the same products, goods, and services can out-earn us sometimes by a hundredfold. Why is it that some people are more successful than others? You know, having grown up in absolute poverty in Salem, Oregon, I dropped out of high school, took a job with Beechcraft Marine Corporation for $3.25 an hour, got married at 18, had a son at age 20 and a daughter at age 22. And at 22 years of age, having been married for four years with two children, my wife and I found ourselves living on welfare. But more on that story a little later on. Let's go back for a moment to the event with Mr. Brian Tracy. 
As I sat there again in my coveted front row center seat, taking copious notes and trying to glean the answer to that question, why is it that some people are more successful than others, Mr. Tracy provided the final key or final piece to the puzzle I had been working on for over a decade. That having been said, let me share with you why I now understand that some people are truly more successful than others. You know, and as we begin our conversation together, I guess one of the points I need to make first and foremost is that this all comes back or down to a simple strategy or philosophy or concept we call personal development. Now, you might understand personal development as personal growth, becoming more than who you currently are, working on yourself more than you work on your business, or some other descriptive phrase that allows you to understand two simple words, get better. And where did this get better strategy originate? Well, we can trace its roots back to around the year 717 BCE, that's over 2,700 years ago, when a man named Solomon gave us the first insight as to how we literally create a successful life. When Solomon recorded for us in Proverbs 23, 7, for as a man thinketh, Within himself, so is he. So who was Solomon, and why should we give these words any more significance than any others? Well, let me give you a little background on who this gentleman was, and then I'll share with you really what I believe to be the genesis or the beginning of personal development. According to the story shared in the Bible in 1 Kings, the third chapter, God had appeared to Solomon in a dream. The reason, apparently, is God had taken favor upon this young lad and came to him one evening and said, Request what I should give you. Now, I don't know how you would feel if you had a conversation with God or if God approached you in a dream and basically said, Request what I should give you. But these are the words that Solomon said. Give to your servant an obedient heart to judge your people, to discern between good and bad. Now, according to the story, apparently God was very pleased with this, and God went on to say to him, For the reason that you have requested this thing and have not requested for yourself many days, nor requested for yourself riches, nor requested the soul of your enemies, and you have enemies, and you have requested for yourself understanding to hear judicial cases, look, I shall certainly do according to your words, look, I shall certainly give you a wise and understanding heart, so that one like you there has not happened to be before you, and after you there will not rise up one like you. So think about that for a moment. God appears to Solomon in a dream, asks this young king, what should I give you? Ask of me anything. And Solomon basically asks for wisdom, and God grants him his wish. However, it is interesting if you continue reading on what God also granted to Solomon. And it continues in verse 13, and also what you have not requested, I will give you both riches and glory, so that there will not have happened to be any among the kings like you all your days. And if you will walk in my ways by keeping my regulations and my commandments, just as David your father walked, I will also lengthen your days. The Bible states that Solomon was wealthier and had more honor and possessions than all the other kings before him, and that none of the kings after him would be his equal. Did this turn out to be true? 
Well, you can do your own due diligence again. You can check World Book Encyclopedia, Encyclopedia Britannica. You can go on the Internet. Uh, You can do all kinds of research on Solomon, and what you will probably find will fascinate you. His wealth was staggering. In fact, in today's dollars, with gold priced at, say, about $320 per troy ounce, Solomon's wealth would have exceeded over $152 billion. Now, why do I share this information with you? Because apparently what is recorded in the Bible turned out to be so extraordinarily true. Solomon's wealth was so well documented, again, check any encyclopedia, that even Jesus spoke of it when explaining that God was keenly aware of our needs, where in Matthew 6.28, he teaches us to take a lesson from the lilies of the field, how they are growing. They do not toil, nor, nor do they spin. But I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory was arrayed as one of these. By the way, If you've ever wondered why God gave Solomon such vast wealth when he didn't even ask for it in the first place, remember what God said to Solomon in the dream? And also what you have not requested I will give you, both riches and glory, so that there will not have happened to be any among the kings like you all your days? Well, and this is a whole other conversation altogether, but I think we can agree from the passage that God knew we could handle money in direct proportion to the wisdom we acquire. Therefore, if you want more money, the wisdom must come first. But back to our conversation. In the beginning, Solomon records in Proverbs 23:7, For as a man thinketh within himself, so is he. What Solomon was trying to get across to us is what we think about, we become. Now, is this thought evidenced by any other individuals? In other words, are we simply taking Solomon's word for it, a man who arguably was endowed with extraordinary wisdom from his creator, or can we look at other sources that have validated this same point? Well, I think you'll find, again, the history of this is fascinating. Paul, who was living in Rome at the time, in his letter to the Philippians in 61 CE, wrote, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honorable, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things." Even the Apostle Paul understood clearly that what we think about, we become. Marcus Aurelius, who lived in Rome a hundred years after Paul, clearly understood this when he wrote, A man's life is what his thoughts make of it. And then there was René Descartes, a 14th century philosopher who moved to Holland where he lived in seclusion for 20 years, changing his residence frequently to preserve his privacy, who left us with these profound words, I think, therefore I am. And it was none other than Sir Isaac Newton who in the late 16th century penned these words, If I have done the public any service, it is due to my patient thought. Sir Isaac Newton died in 17. 27. Born in 1694, author and philosopher Voltaire wrote, To be a hero, think heroic thoughts. Voltaire eventually settled in Switzerland, where he lived until he died in 1778. Thomas Carlyle, a Scott essayist and historian who spent 86 years on the planet between 1795 and 1881, reminded us that thought is the parent of the deed. 
and twas the poetic words of wisdom of one Henry David Thoreau, who in the mid-1800s wrote, What man thinks of himself, that it is which determines, or rather indicates, his fate. Born in 1803, Ralph Waldo Emerson gave us two quotes worthy of consideration in this matter of the mind. First, a man's what he thinks about all day long. And second, what your heart thinks is great is great. The soul's emphasis is always right. And in the late 1800s, a man who many to this day still consider the father of modern psychology, William James, wrote, human beings can alter their lives by altering their attitudes of mind. And we probably all heard that often quoted phrase, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Yes, those were Henry Ford's words sometime in the late 1930s. So the words recorded for us around 717 BCE, over 2,000 years ago, the words of Solomon, for as a man thinketh within himself, so is he, this thought continued down through time, from Paul to Marcus Aurelius to Descartes to Sir Isaac Newton to Voltaire, to Carlyle, to Henry David Thoreau, to Ralph Waldo Emerson, to Henry Ford. It's true, the more you search, the more you will find. The year is now 1905. The place is England. The man James Allen has just penned his second book entitled, As a Man Thinketh. Drawing obviously from the words of Solomon there in Proverbs, he records for us these extraordinary words. The vision that you glorify in your mind, the ideal that you enthrone in your heart, this you will build your life by, this you will become. These words need to be read a hundred times. In fact, the entire book as a man thinketh, should be read 100 times. Because what James Allen clearly understood is the relationship between what we think about and what we create. Three years later, in the year 1908, a fascinating conversation is unfolding in America. The wealthiest man living in the world at that time, a man named Andrew Carnegie, who made his fortune in the steel business, is having a conversation in his private residence with a young journalist. The journalist had been asked to come and do a story on the wealthiest man in the world, and that was supposed to be that. Come do the interview write the story, have it published, move on to the next story. Indeed, the life of a journalist. But for some particular reason, Carnegie took a liking to this young man, asked him to stay for dinner. That conversation at dinner ended up lasting about two weeks. And somewhere during their time together, Mr. Carnegie proposed to the young journalist the following scenario. Would you be willing to invest the next 20 years of your life and study the 500 wealthiest people in the world. I know who these people are. I will provide the letters of introduction. I will cover all of your expenses. I will pay you no salary. Are you willing to take the task and then find out what these 500 people have in common? Take this information, condense it down, and publish it and make it available to the world. Are you interested in taking on this challenge? It took this young journalist, about 28 seconds to reach his conclusion. What he didn't know at the time is that this man, Andrew Carnegie, from the moment he asked the question, had clicked on his stopwatch because he had decided to give this young journalist only 60 seconds to decide. Sometimes we do learn that people who are successful have the ability to make decisions very quickly. 
The decision having been made in 28 seconds time, the rest, as they say, is history. The young journalist turned out to be Napoleon Hill. And after 20 years of studying the 500 wealthiest people, including Henry Ford, Thomas Edison, Alexander Graham Bell, the Rockefellers, Wrigley of Wrigley Chewing Gum and Wrigley Field fame, and the list goes on and on and on to even include the the likes of Thomas Edison and Orville and Wilbur Wright. I mean, imagine having the opportunity to have conversations with these individuals, the people that invented the airplane, the phonograph, the individuals who literally had started mass-producing automobiles, those that were making extraordinary fortunes What did these people have in common? Well, after studying the 500 wealthiest men over a 20-year period of time, in 1937, the book was published. You probably have heard of it. The title really tells the story. It is simply Think and Grow Rich. And although this is a book that certainly needs to find its way into your library and the material on those pages into your mind, here is what Napoleon learned after studying the wealthiest people in the world over a 20-year period of time. He found out that first comes thought, then organization of that thought into ideas and plans, then transformation of those plans into reality. Now think about that for just a moment. First comes what? Thought, the idea, the mind. Then we've got to take that thought and we have to organize it into an idea or a plan. Then we need to transform that into our reality. That is basically the combined essence of that man's work for 20 years. First comes thought, completely congruent with Solomon, as a man thinketh. Completely congruent with James Allen, the vision that you glorify in your mind. And now, first comes thought. That again, 1937. Fast forward from 1937 to the year 1959. An amazing event occurred, which didn't really appear amazing, I don't suppose, at the time, but literally has affected in a most positive manner millions of people all over the world. A gentleman named David Schwartz was attending an awards banquet where an award was being presented to an average salesperson who had found some unique way of producing five times the income of his next closest colleague. How did this occur? Well, as David sat there in the audience and heard the information, he discovered the man had an average territory. He was of average intelligence. He had taken off actually more time than the others. And so what is it that had caused this individual to become significantly more successful, five times more successful, at least from an economic standpoint, than the other people working in the same company? Well, contained in the masterpiece that he produced for the world, you will find the following seven words. You are what you think you are. The book, of course, is The Magic of Thinking Big, again by David Schwartz, and is certainly one that should again find its way into your library. As our journey continues, 12 months pass. The year is now 1960, and a gentleman who has been studying this success thing for most of his adult life, certainly acquainted with Mr. Napoleon Hill and many of the other individuals I have so far mentioned, takes this combined knowledge and produces a record, a recording, if you will, and releases it to the world with the following title. The record is entitled, The Strangest Secret. And what Earl Nightingale reveals to the world are six powerful words. We become what we think about. 
Amazing. He took the wisdom of Solomon, the knowledge of James Allen, the extraordinary 20-year study of Napoleon Hill, everything gleaned in The Magic of Thinking Big by David Schwartz, and all of the others that we have spoken about so far on this program, and distilled the essence of how we actually produce our reality down to six simple words. We become what we think about. That thought was released to the world in 1960 and sold well over a million records. Unheard of in that day, especially considering it was a record without any music. This, of course, was before we had audio cassette tapes, before we had CDs, before DVDs. When you wanted to get the spoken message out into the marketplace, it was really on the old vinyl albums that we used to produce so many years ago. A million copies, and it sold since then millions more. And what would happen if you were one of the fortunate few who heard the message that Earl Nightingale shared with the world there in 1960? What if you had allowed those six words, we become, what we think about, to positively affect you? Well, we don't really know what happened to many of those individuals, but we are keenly aware of what happened to Earl Nightingale. He went on to produce and create the Nightingale Conad Corporation, which stands today as one of the largest personal development corporations in the world. That was 1960. Fast forward 30 years. It's 1990, and another gentleman who has been studying this mind thing for some time writes an article entitled, The Greatest Secret. This information he uses only for himself, shares it with no one, and begins transforming his life. Contained in this little article, The Greatest Secret, you will find the following quotation, Change your thinking, and you will change your life. And the author of The Greatest Secret Well, I can tell you two things. Number one, in 1990, he was completely unknown. He had written no articles. He had published no books. He had not given a lecture to an audience about success or business in any capacity. I know this because I know this gentleman extraordinarily well. You see, the author of The Greatest Secret is me. I used this recipe which I put together and up until recently had shared with no one to literally transform my life in 1990 to the person I have become today. Change your thinking and you will change your life. Prior to authoring Future Choice, prior to becoming the editor-in-chief of Upline Journal, prior to becoming one of the most sought-after speakers in the direct sales industry, prior to businesses booming, selling well over a million copies in its first year, prior to all of that success, the greatest secret, my personal recipe, change your thinking and you will change your life. It's now 1991, and a gentleman who I have come to view as one of the most extraordinary people, an amazing mentor, a man named Jim Rohn, R-O-H-N. Jim Rohn comes onto the scene with a new little book entitled The Five Major Pieces to the Life Puzzle. You see, up until now, what has occurred is that everyone reading about this mind stuff has basically been able to determine that what you have in your head you manifest in reality. What you think about, you become. Here's the problem. Most of us don't really understand how to go from thinking to reality. Most people that are reading or learning or acquiring this information, although the stories are fascinating, the successes are unbelievable, they still don't understand how to make practical application of this information for themselves. That 
is about to change. In that book, entitled The Five Major Pieces to the Life Puzzle, Jim actually explains beautifully how we go from processing information to creating lifestyle by showing the five steps. I'm going to review those steps with you so that we can have a clear understanding of how we actually move from thought to things through the following process. Philosophy determines attitude, attitude actions, actions results, and results lifestyle. And now for the very first time, people had a roadmap, if you will, to go from thoughts to things. Philosophy to attitude, attitude to actions, actions to results, and results to lifestyle. And so that we can have an intelligent conversation about this and really explore the possibilities on how we might apply this information into our own lives, the first thing we need to agree upon are some simple definitions to the words here. So let's walk through these five words so we can both be on the same mental page. First of all, philosophy. Now, philosophy may mean something different to you than it does to me, and if we look up Webster, Webster may have even their own opinion of what that happens to mean. But here's what we want to have in common for our conversation. Philosophy is simply everything you know and how that information affects you. Yes, everything you know would include the parents that raised you and the environment that you were brought up in. It would include, obviously, your siblings and how they affected you, the kids and the classmates you hung around, the books you read, the tapes you listened to, the classes you attended, your belief system, the side of town you were brought up on. It's all of those things. It's everything you know. If you were brought up in a family that taught multiple languages because parents spoke them, you know multiple languages. If you were brought up in a family that believed a certain way, you probably ended up believing that way. It's everything we know. Now, that's, however, only part of it, because the other part of philosophy is how that information actually affects you. For example, we might both look at a person of color. We might both recognize that this person happens to be, say, from Japan or China or Africa or uh, some other country where the skin color is different than yours. But our reaction to that information may be profoundly different. Obviously, we have the word, sadly, in our society today, and the word is prejudice. And prejudice means to prejudge, to make a decision before you know. That's when we lump people together and say, they're all this way, or they're They're all that way. See, philosophy is everything we know and how that information affects us. And it must be the combination. And we must also appreciate and understand that your reaction and my reaction may be different. That's philosophy. Now, philosophy, everything we know and how we hold it affects what we think about, our attitude. Now, when I say attitude, I don't mean that conversation you had with your 13 or 14-year-old son or daughter where you basically, you know, kind of point your finger at them and say, young lady or young man, you better change that attitude. Translation, I really would like it if you were on the same page as me. That's not what I'm speaking about. When I say attitude, what I'm talking about is that internal dialogue. It's what you think about all day long. 
You know, this is a fascinating part of our conversation here because it's so amazing to me that most of us from the time we get up in the morning until the time we retire in the evening have no idea at how much stuff is actually going on in our heads. In fact, the researchers would indicate that from the time you arise until the time you retire, you process information at the astounding rate of about 12,000 words per hour. Imagine that. Now, to put that in proper perspective, if you work in a normal office and you're around people all day long, 12,000 words an hour is probably more conversation, if you will, going on inside your head than the sum total of all the conversations by all of the people that are around you, both inside and outside the office, for the same period of time, say the same entire day. That is extraordinary, especially if you've been brought up to believe or if you now understand how important associations are in our lives. How many of us have heard, rightly so, that we become the combined average of the five closest people to us in our life? Well, let me give you a piece of the puzzle that might not have been shared with you yet. And that piece of the puzzle is that you are one of those people. It's true. If you're having more internal dialogue in your head than you are with all of the other people that are around you, wouldn't it make sense that you are influencing you? And the answer is, of course. And sadly, sadly, what's going on inside most of our heads most of the time is less than flattering. In fact, I've got a little assignment I'm going to ask you to do here in just a moment, but let me suggest to you very strongly that if you were able to record the words going on in your mind, If you were to then have them sent to a transcriptionist and have them transcribed into actual dialogue, and then if you gave that dialogue to your son, your daughter, your significant other, the people that are closest to you in your life, and you said to them, I'd like you to share this information with me. I'm telling you what, most of us would not allow people close to us or people even not so close to us to ever treat us the way we're treating ourselves. You know what I'm talking about. The internal dialogue that sounds like this. Oh, what was I thinking? Oh, I'm so stupid. How come I keep doing this? Why am I so... Oh, I can't believe I did that again. How come I'm so fat? How come no one loves me? Why am I alone again? It's Friday night. How come nobody ever calls? Why don't I have any friends? And on and on and on, this anything less than positive dialogue goes. From the time we get up in the morning, we're critical about the food in the home, the temperature of the house, how the traffic is, what we're wearing, the person sitting next to us. We're critical about the media. We're critical about what's happening in our lives economically, spiritually. We're critically about what's going on socially. We're critical about just about everything, but the critical part is about ourselves. Most of it points right back at ourselves, and that's what is absolutely destroying us. If you believe that you indeed become the combined average of the five closest people to you, We have got to have a wake-up call and recognize one of those people as you so that we can fully see how you're doing in this department. Again, as I mentioned a moment ago, I have an assignment for you. I would ask that you take this seriously. Here is the assignment. If you want to find out how this is affecting you, tomorrow morning when you arise, grab a sheet of paper. In the upper left-hand corner, simply write the word negative. And in the upper right-hand corner, simply write the word positive. And then what I would like to ask is that all day long, whenever a thought comes into your head that's negative, write it down. Positive, write it down. If it's neutral, you don't need to record it. 
For example, if you're sitting at the computer and you can't figure out the software program, you're thinking, oh, I'm just so stupid. How come I can't get this? This is just, oh, it, this. If that's kind of going on, I would suggest you write that on the negative side. And all of the positives, obviously, I'm good looking. I'm confident. People enjoy being around me. I feel better about myself today than I did yesterday. My business is growing. My income is becoming better. My bank account is is expanding. My debts are reducing. My children are loving me. I really enjoy the person I am becoming. Whenever you have a thought like that, well, you can put that down on the positive side. And what you'll find, usually by around noon, is kind of what's going on in your brain. Now, by the way, this may be a little disturbing and a little depressing, so let me give you a couple of suggestions on how you can overcome this. Because yes, our philosophy, everything we know, and how we hold it, how it affects us, does determine what we think about. This is true. But once those thoughts are in our head, it's sometimes difficult to get them out. So here's a couple of suggestions. Number one, if you find that the negative side is just literally filling up the page before 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning, and the positive side may only have one or two comments, and you look at that and recognize this is not good, here is a little assignment. First of all, what I want you to understand is that awareness is the beginning of change. And now that you are aware that this is happening, only then can you begin controlling what you think about. You may not have absolute control over what pops into your mind, but as you will see as we continue, you have absolute control on what you dwell on, what you think about, what you meditate on. Do you understand what I'm saying? course you do. So, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Again, when you find yourself saying, this isn't working, I'm not successful, my business isn't growing, I don't have enough new people to talk to, this, that, and the other thing, here's a word that you might be able to add to the end of most of your sentences to turn the negative into a positive. The word is yet, Y-E-T. And here's the way you would use it. When you have that thought pop into your mind that says, this isn't working. You simply, as you hear the negative come out, add the positive spin at the end. This isn't working yet. I haven't figured out the software program yet. I'm not able to use the computer yet. I don't understand email yet. People don't call me back yet. My prospects don't show up yet. I don't have a big enough organization yet. I'm not making enough money yet. Do you follow how you can add this to the end of almost every sentence? Now, I will tell you this. If it's 11 o'clock at night and you're at the business briefing and your guest still has not arrived, uh, you know, you may not want to be standing back there saying, my guest has not arrived yet. My guest has not arrived yet. You may just want to go home. However, it will work for the majority of sentences and that's a very good thing. So number one, be aware. Number two, Add the word yet. And number three, if you really find a lot of negatives, and if these really tug at your heartstrings, they just make you feel inadequate or less than you can feel, let me give you three simple words I learned from Brian Tracy. These are words that you will want to repeat a thousand times a day inside your mind. The words, I like myself. I like myself. I like myself. I like myself. I like myself, 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 I like myself. I like myself. I really do like myself, and I hope you begin to like yourself too. Now, if we are really processing words at the rate of about 12,000 words an hour, and I want you to say, I like myself a thousand times a day, you know that'll only take you about 
10 or 12 minutes. That's it. For the entire time from when you arise to when you go to bed, just about 12 minutes. And the great news is, because of what technology is allowing us to do, we're going to be taking these ideas and concepts and sharing with you in a very special way on the bonus CD that came with this program. So, our philosophy, everything we know and how we hold it, affects what we think about at the rate of about 12,000 words per hour. Now, what we think about affects our actions. Now, our actions are very simple. Our actions are simply what you do. Listening to the CD right now would be an action step. Contacting people would be an action step. Telling the story would be an action step. Attending the next briefing or event would be an action step. Sponsoring that next distributor would be an action step. You've got it. Whatever you're doing, actions. Now think about this again in context. Your philosophy, everything you know, and how you hold it affects what you think about all day long. And what you think about all day long causes you to actually take action. Now, your actions produce your results. When I say results, here's what I mean. What you get. It's the product sale. It's the new distributor. It's the money you earn. It's the recognition you receive. It's whatever it is you are getting from the actions you are doing. Those we define as your results. Your results produce your lifestyle. Now, your lifestyle is simply a moment in time. Think about lifestyle as not some far-off distant place you may or may not ever get to. That's not what I'm speaking about. A lot of times people think about lifestyle as one day, if only. Wouldn't it be nice? And that's how they start off their lifestyle questions. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about lifestyle as in your reality right now. You see, right now today, you have a house or you don't. You have a car or you don't. You have clothing that you own or you do not. You've got money or you're upside down. But whatever is going on in your life, we are going to call, for purposes of our conversation, your lifestyle. Five years ago, you had a lifestyle. You probably lived somewhere, were transported around somehow, had some kind of uh, money at your disposal, and had some feeling of success, again, depending on what your age might have been five years ago. And five years from today, you will also have a lifestyle. Think of your lifestyle as a photograph, a Polaroid picture, if you will, a snapshot in time. It's your house, your car, your bank balance, however you define success That's your lifestyle. So those are the definitions. We've got philosophy, everything we know and how we hold it, affecting our attitude, what we think about. What we think about affects our actions, what we do. What we do affects our results, what we get. And what we get creates our lifestyle, whatever we have at this moment in time. Now, if that's the case, and we know it is, then here's a simple question for you. What do you want to improve? When you got involved with your particular company, what were you looking for? Were you looking for more philosophy? I don't think so. Were you looking for a way to change your thought process, your attitude? Probably not. Were you looking for a way just to take on more actions? I mean, was your life so boring that you just didn't have anything going on and you got involved with the company because you found they had these meetings you could attend and at least that would get you out of the house a couple of nights a week? In fact, if you're like most people, your lives were so busy you didn't even see yourself doing this business and someone probably convinced you that if you didn't change, what else would? 
And so you thought, okay, and you cut out a little television time or you cut out a little bit of some other activity time and you're working 10, 12, 14, 15 hours a week building your future. But you were a busy person before this and you probably didn't get involved to become busier. No, probably not for philosophy or attitudes or actions, probably not even for results. What you were probably drawn to was a change in lifestyle. Someone suggested to you that if you got involved with them, your lifestyle could improve. You could have the house, have the car, have the bank account, and probably they also showed you that you could have the time, freedom to accompany those things. And that appealed to you. More time with your children, more time with your significant other. Hey, more time for yourself. That's what we wanted. That's the dream that we're going for. The ability to earn the income and have the free time to enjoy it. So what happened? Well, here's what happened. We got involved with our company and we went to work using the information that we'd always used. We didn't stop to think about this any differently than we'd ever thought about anything else. You see, here's what we believe. We believe that actions produce results. That if we would just get out of the marketplace and prospect more people, if we would just present more times, attend more events, sponsor more distributors, if we would just do it, do it, do it, do it, and do even more of it, that everything would turn out okay. That the actions would produce the results, and the results would in fact create the lifestyle. Now, I'm not suggesting that that isn't true. What I am suggesting, though, is that we need to understand the realities, because remember how we opened our conversation? Why is it that some people are more successful than others? Well, there is a reason that people have made it to the top of your company, and there's a reason that you can either join them or struggle. Let's consider the realities. It's true that actions can create success, that if you just do the deal, 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 eventually you will get some results, and if you get enough good results, you can, in fact, create a better lifestyle. In fact, it was Jim Rohn who said, in the beginning, what we lack in skill, we can actually make up for inactivity, or maybe you've heard it another way. Hey, the lifeblood is the new blood. If you want to grow your business, go get more people. You know, there isn't any problem in your business that a couple really excited new distributors wouldn't solve. And on and on the wisdom goes. Now, I'm not suggesting that advice isn't true. In fact, just the opposite. We know, because we have documented, that if you talk to lots of people, you will probably get better in the process. And if you get better in the process, you will probably sponsor more of those individuals. And if you sponsor more and teach them how to go out and get other individuals, you can probably build yourself a pretty nice business. The problem is that strategy only works for about 5% of the people. Therefore, 95% of us who join that group will probably fail miserably, and because of how we talk to ourselves, we'll blame ourselves and we'll blame everybody else, but we nonetheless will fail. Now, if that's the case, if only about 5% of the people will ever succeed using an actions to create results to produce lifestyle strategy, and that 95% of the people are destined to fail, why do we teach it? That's a very good question. And the best answer I can come up with is, we don't know any better. Thus, the purpose of our conversation, so that you can become educated, use your mind to manifest or create the reality that's right for you. Let me give you an example that's pretty far removed from most of us from the business at hand. And let's take a look at the numbers and see if we can really understand that in actions plus results to create lifestyle strategy really is a recipe for disaster. 
Let me explain. I want to give you an example that will drive this point home so clearly as to affect the way you think about how you build your business from this point forward. And to really drive home this point that actions plus results equal lifestyle, that that strategy works for only about 5% of the people, let me use an example that almost all of us to one degree or another can relate to. You know, the numbers really do tell the story, and living in America, I don't know if you've read or heard or been observing what's going on, but let me remind you, if not, that we now live officially in the most obese society on the planet. That means we have more fat people here than we have any place else in the world. Now, please, I'm not talking about the internal dialogue, and I don't need you to write this down on the left side saying, yeah, I'm one of them, I'm fat, that's not where we're going here. I want to talk about the numbers so that you can understand why actions plus results equaling lifestyle rarely work. For example, were you aware that last year in America we sold in excess of $100 billion worth of diet pills? It's true. In fact, not only did we sell well over $100 billion in diet pills, we have today more classes on diet, health, and nutrition, more books on the same subjects, and more videos than at any other time in human history. All you've got to do is turn on television, and I'm telling you what, late night TV, early morning television, it doesn't seem to matter. If you flip through the channels, you'll find them. You know the ones I'm talking about. Take this pill, melt the pounds away, buy this little device, take it home, use it. You can have abs of steel, buns of steel. I'm telling you, you can turn any part of your body you want into steel. All you need is about $30, about 30 days, guaranteed. Of course, the fine print at the bottom of the screen really describes the guarantee, but that's another conversation. Whether it's a class, whether it's a book, whether it's a video, whether it's the foods that are proliferating the marketplace, I'm telling you, you can buy diet anything and everything today. You can buy cookies that are diet. You can buy cakes that are diet. You can buy low cal. You can buy virtually no cal. You can do this with snack foods. How many health clubs do you see or notice when you drive back and forth to work? How many different types of machines have you seen again advertised everywhere showing you how you can create the body of a god or of a goddess? The classes, the books, the videos, it's all out there. And what has been the end result? We are now officially fatter at the end of every year than we were as a society at the beginning. Now, yes, some people are getting results. Yes, some people are getting the weight off and they're keeping it off. And you know what? They're the five percenters. They figured out how to break through. It wasn't the pill. Because if it was the pill, why don't all of the people that take the pill get the results? If it was the exercise class, why don't all of the people that take the class get the results? Why don't all of the people that listen to the programs, all of the people that do those things, why don't they all get the results? Or why don't 95% of them get the results? Let me tell you why. Because our brains do not process information that way. Our brains do not work on an actions to create results to produce lifestyle strategy. They work on a thinking model. Those thoughts that we dwell upon day after day after day cause us to take action. The thoughts cause us to take action. 
The actions produced by the thoughts give us the results. The results produce the lifestyle. That is the methodology. Let me give you an example of how absolutely powerful our brains are if they're used properly. Researchers know that if you want to get the weight off and keep it off, there are four things that must be done. Yes, diet number one, what goes in your mouth is important. Yes, number two, exercise is critical. And I would say weight bearing exercise, but again, don't substitute my judgment for your own. Always talk to your healthcare provider or professional before you do anything. But what goes in your mouth, the exercise program that you're involved in, the supplements that you take, they're critical. We have polluted the air, we have fouled the water, we have degraded the soil. It is impossible. It is absolutely impossible to have the three square meals a day or even four or five or six and get all the nutrients that one needs. You just can't do it anymore. It isn't about the orange. It's about where the orange was grown. It's about when it was harvested. It's about how it was transported. And it's about how long it stayed in the store before you acquired it. It's how long it was at your house and whether or not you served it fresh, meaning fresh the day you brought it home, or whether it sat there for several days. Did you use it to cook, and did you eat the cooked product? Say you put it into a cake or something of that sort, or did the cake then go into the refrigerator or into the cupboard, and was that eaten two, three, four, five, six, seven days later? Every single one of those steps affects the nutritional content of the food. Anyone who studies the subject understands that. And also, point number four, the importance that rest plays. You can't work out at the gym six and seven days a week. If you read enough, you'll understand that. The body tissue has to be broken down, yes, but it also has to rebuild itself. Now, let me give you an example of how ineffective that conversation I just gave you happens to be. That conversation doesn't affect you in any capacity because I didn't tell you what to eat. I didn't give you an exercise program. There were no supplements designed or recommended or suggested, and we didn't talk anything about rest. Therefore, when people read this information or hear this information, is it any wonder that most of the time they get really excited? They go, wow, that's all I need to do? Just work on those four things? Yeah, just work on those four things. So they come home and they start working on what they eat, working on what they eat, working on what they eat, and they get a little bit of results. Then they start the exercise program. They're kind of excited. Maybe they'll just walk a little bit. Maybe they'll go sign up for a gym, you know, get the 30-day free trial and just get in there and really see what they can do. And they start feeling a little better, feeling a little better, and the, they take the supplements, they start ordering those things and taking them, and wow, you know, hey, maybe this is a good thing. You know, they go to bed a little earlier, they start catching up on their sleep, they're thinking, hey, this is working out, working out, working out. But all of a sudden, guess what? Life gets in the way. And before you know it, you're traveling again. Or before you know it, stopping by one of those fast food places, it's just convenient, it's easy. Before you know it, you know, getting up and walking in the rain just doesn't have the romance it did that one time you went with that special person. You know, those pills, man, I'm telling you something, if I got to gag down one more of those things you're thinking, or the money, the money, look at the money, I can't afford this. And the negative self-talk rears its ugly head one more time. And this sleep, what's all this about? Man, I got more things to do and less hours in the day. I can't take more sleep. This is nuts.
And the reason, because we didn't go to work on our philosophy. We didn't change how we think about food. We didn't change how we think about exercise, how we think about supplementation, or how we think about rest. We just took somebody else's advice. We tried it for a period of time. It didn't work out for us, and we went back. Let me show you by contrast what begins to occur when you get accurate information in your brain and you can think about this information on a daily basis. I mean, actually let it affect you. Let me show you what happens when the mind actually gets a hold of information and how it thinks about this, processes it, and then produces a different result. Let's talk about the all-too-present beverage in the American diet, and indeed a lot of the diets around the world, the soft drink. You know, I went out to the store and acquired three of these, two colas and one non-cola beverage. We'll just refer to them that way. The contents are pretty much the same as far as what we're going to be speaking of today, and that's the amount of sugar in each one of these soft drinks. Now, before you say, hey, 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 that wouldn't be me, I drink the diet stuff, uh, let me suggest to you that you may want to read the rest of the ingredients on the diet stuff. Go to the internet, uh, go to one of the search engines, and take a look at what some of those ingredients actually are, and just ask yourself if you really would like to have those things in your body. Or, if you happen to also be one of the fortunate few that has a hot tub, or a swimming pool at your residence, or you've got friends that do, take one of those soft drinks even the diet variety, and grab one of those little testers, you know, the ones that they use for the pool to determine whether or not the water is safe to be in. Take one of those little pH indicators and go ahead and do the test on that favorite soft drink of your own. And what you will probably find is the pH is so far off center, so to speak, that the water wouldn't even be safe for you or your children to be in. Now, if you really wouldn't put your kids in a pool that had that level of pH, because it isn't considered safe, why would you really want that stuff in your body? So there again, if you happen to be one who is consuming the diet beverages, I guess what I'm suggesting to you is you're really not off the hook. But let's get back to the people who purchase these products that actually have the sugar in them. You know, the regular colas and the regular non-cola beverages. The 20-ounce variety, about 27 grams of sugar. Servings per container about 2.5. Therefore, we actually need to do a little math if we want to uncover how much sugar is actually contained inside that beverage. Remember, if there's 27 grams of sugar per serving, and if there's two and a half servings per container, we really need to take 27 and multiply it by 2.5. That's going to give us 67.5 grams of sugar. Well, how much is a gram? I did a little research to make this easier for all of us. And here's the numbers. Grams divided by four will give you teaspoons. So let's do the math. We've got a 20-ounce bottle of our favorite beverage that contains 27 grams of sugar per serving. There are two and a half servings, so that would be 67.5 grams of sugar in that 20-ounce bottle. We're going to divide grams by 4, so 67.5 grams divided by 4 would give us 16.875, or can we say almost 17 teaspoons of sugar. Now, if that isn't enough to get you to stop cold, let me take it one step further. 
You know when you're dining out and you're sitting there at the table and they have those little container that they put those packets of sugar in? You know the ones, usually you've got the sweet and low and you've got the equal and you've got, you know, the real sugar. Okay, one of those little packets is approximately one-half a teaspoon. Therefore, 17 teaspoons, 17 times 2, 34 packets of sugar. Now, I went and asked my wife, because she does a little bit more cooking than I, and I said, hey, 34 packets of sugar, 17 teaspoons, how much is that approximately? Give me some other visual. She said that's about a heaping quarter cup of sugar for one soft drink. One soft drink, not because it has two and a half servings, but one soft drink because you're going to consume that in one sitting. And probably, if the weather is warm enough or you're thirsty enough, you'll probably go on to a second, a third, or a fourth. What is so amazing is that we have options that are out there available to us, like good old water, especially if you buy it or you purify it or you have one of those filter systems that just kind of cleans it for you. But we don't choose to go for those. We choose to go for something else. Let me give you a couple of other facts for your mind to process. Not only will you be putting 34 packets of sugar into your body every time you consume just one of those 20-ounce bottles of soda, But the second and probably one of the more shocking things is, take a look at the calories. There are 100 calories times 2.5 servings. There are 250 calories in that one bottle. Have a couple of bottles of that, 500 extra calories a day. You do 500 extra calories a day, my friend, and let me suggest to you very strongly, you better be hitting the gym, like often and hard, if you want to be working that off. And that's just to pretty much stay even. So here's a question for you. Do you want a glass of water or soda? Let me give you a couple of other things to think about. Were you aware, in fact, that 75% of Americans are chronically dehydrated? It's true, and this likely applies to half the world's population. In fact, in 37% of Americans, the thirst mechanism is so weak that it is often mistaken for hunger. You know, even mild dehydration will shut down one's metabolism as much as 3%. And according to a University of Washington study, one glass of water will shut down midnight hunger pains for almost 100% of dieters. You know, lack of water is the number one trigger of daytime fatigue. Yes, primary research indicates that 8 to 10 glasses of water a day could significantly ease back and joint pain for up to 80% of the sufferers. You know, a mere 2% drop in body water can trigger fuzzy short-term memory, trouble with basic math, and difficulty focusing on the computer screen or the printed page. How many of us have had challenges there? And by drinking just five glasses of water per day, you reduce the risk of colon cancer by 45%, the risk of bladder cancer by 50%, And you reduce the risk of breast cancer by 79%. So the question is, are you drinking the amount of water you should every day? So now that this information has made it into your head, the question is, are you going to think about it? And here's what I will suggest to you very strongly. If you want to see how profoundly your brain can affect the ultimate outcome we call lifestyle, again, philosophy, everything you know, and you now have information before you listened you might not have had, Everything you know and how that information affects you is what you think about. What you think about moves you to action. 
and the actions you take produce the results, and the results indeed create the lifestyle you're currently experiencing. It's the way it works. The reason we have so many overweight people in America, ladies and gentlemen, is that we are not attacking the problem from the right vantage point. We are trying to go into the gym, action step. We are trying to take the pill, action step. We are trying to eat a diet product, action step. We are trying to slow down how much we eat, action step. We are doing everything we can without first filling our minds with information and knowledge. And what I will suggest to you is if you want to literally create the body of a god or a goddess, that idea must originate in your mind. So why do we fail? We fail because actions alone, and the key word here is alone, work best short term. We can go to the gym for 30 days, we can change our diet for a month or two, we can shift something and we can start to see a little bit of the results, but before long we tend to go back to what we're comfortable with, we tend to go back to what we know. Because what we know is what we think about, what we think about is what we do, what we do is what we get, and what we get is what we have. It's the way it's always been. So what about this knowledge stuff? Well, knowledge alone, and the key word here again being alone, knowledge alone works best long-term. Well, see, now we've got a dichotomy. If actions work best short-term and knowledge works best long-term, what is the solution? How do we literally create our mind-body response to produce what we're ultimately looking for? Well, I came across a quote by Mary Beard that summarizes this perfectly. She wrote, action without study is fatal. Study without action is futile. In other words, we need to do what we know. We need to understand how the brain actually processes information. We need to appreciate that what goes in our head manifests itself in our reality. Here's the problem, and it is a problem. It takes time to read all of the books, attend all of the classes, and listen to all of the material that's been recorded on a subject we would like to understand. You see, we do need the actions, and we do need the knowledge. So what is the simple success secret? What is the information that will literally allow you to determine your destiny? It's simply this. The very day you get started, you've got to immediately go to work on activity. Remember the quote we had earlier by Jim Rohn? In the beginning, what we lack in skill, we can actually make up for with activity. So we need to partner with these, and here's what that would look like. Number one, when you get started, or when you get someone started, immediately go to work on the actions. Immediately. Go to work on making the list. Go to work on making the calls. Go to work on attending the events. Do it immediately. What you lack in skill, according to Jim Rohn, you can make up for in activity. Therefore, do it and do it now. However, if you don't want to end up working like a dog for the rest of your life, you know, doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it, you have also got to go to work on your mind, the knowledge part. And Harry Bergson captured this thought beautifully when he wrote, think like a man of action, act like a man of thought. Wouldn't that be an extraordinary way to live, to think like a man of action and yet to act like a man of thought? It's starting where you are. It's getting better every day. It's that amazing concept we call knowledge applied or knowledge on fire. Well, if we understand then what causes someone to fail, 
what causes someone to actually succeed? If 95% of the people are going to fail and 5% of the people are going to make it, how do we become part of those who make it? Well, please understand, I'm not suggesting you become part of the 5%ers in that example. What I'm suggesting is the 95% of the individuals out there that aren't making it certainly have the ability to make it if they would just go to work on the simple success secret. It's getting involved in the action steps from day one. It's making your list, it's making the calls, it's attending the events, it's inviting individuals, it's getting tools into the marketplace, it's all of those things. And you're going to see in just a moment why you can do those things day one. Why you want to become the messenger, not the message. And why you want to let the tools do the talking. You can, in fact, do this. Anyone can. That is the simple secret to your success. I wish I could have this visual painted for you of this growth curve. It would be this amazing chart, and at the lower left-hand corner, we would have both actions and we would have knowledge. And they would both immediately take, say, this race like the tortoise and the hare at the same moment in time. But the hare in this case, which is the activity, getting the tapes out, making the calls, doing these types of things, would literally just leap off the chart. There's not a person out there in the marketplace that can't make 100 phone calls in the first week. You can make 100 phone calls this week if you want to. You can contact 100 people this week if you want to. You could go to Starbucks or Tim Hortons or any coffee shop in the country. You could sit there long enough if you wanted to. We know you can do the action steps. We have it documented that people can do the action steps. What we also have documented is that people hit the wall. You know, in the marathon, they talk about people hitting the wall, where they literally just, their legs give out and they just, they hit this almost invisible wall. And people that have run a marathon can tell you they know exactly what it is I'm talking about. Most of us hit a wall, but the wall for us is called frustration. It's called aggravation. It's called questioning whether or not we have the ability to do this. What was I thinking? This is harder than I thought. My friends are laughing at me. This maybe is not the best company, best product, best service. Where where was my head? And before we know it, we have literally talked ourselves right out of the business. Why? We hit the wall. We've got to use the simple success secret to our advantage, which is to take the actions immediately, apply the knowledge simultaneously, and go at this so that eventually the knowledge overtakes the actions. So your brain is driving your body, not your body driving your brain. You know, Henry Bergson really nailed it when he said, think like a man of action, act like a man of thought. And I don't know that truer words regarding the simple success secret have ever been stated. We've got to start right where we are and get better every day. Let me show you what happens when you combine these two elements. Now, number one, please understand, you need assistance from your team. Whoever sponsored you, whoever you're working with, whatever uh, company or product or service you're currently engaged with today, these individuals need to help you with the activity portion. Whatever tapes you're using, whatever brochures, whatever conferences or classes, whatever prospecting methodology you are using, they need to assist you. They need to provide that information. What you need to do is immediately start contacting as many people as you possibly can. And if you've been around for a while, 
re-inspire yourself. Pretend like you're starting all over today. Go out in the marketplace and see if you can meet 5, 10, 15, 20 new people. We're going to give you the tools and techniques here in just a few minutes to do that, but those are the action steps. Now, while that is going on, I want to go to work with you simultaneously on the philosophy. I want to start changing the way you think. Remember earlier when I mentioned that this package came with a special bonus CD? What we have done is put together a special CD, one that you will listen to during the day and one that you will listen to during the evening. And when I say day and evening, here's what I really am referring to. One of them you can listen to while you're awake and the other one is really designed for you to lay back and relax and just kind of unwind and let this information just flow over you. And simultaneously, you and I are going to go to work on giving your brain something to process, what I call the 38 philosophies. You know, your philosophies are, of course, everything you know and how that information affects you. And when that gets into your brain, you start to think about it. When you start to think about it, you're caused to take action. The actions produce results, and the results indeed create lifestyle. Therefore, while you're out in the marketplace, getting the audios out into the market, getting the CDs there, attending the events and the classes, and doing all of those things, you and I are going to be working every single day for 30 minutes in the morning and 30 minutes in the evening, and we just need to do this for about a month or so. And the results will be so profound, you'll want to make absolutely absolutely certain that you get this information into the hands of every single new distributor you have on your team. No kidding. Because when they understand what the mind is capable of, everything changes. And I mean in an extraordinarily positive way. Let me give you a couple of examples of what I'm talking about. You know, the researchers tell us that the average adult male, 40 years of age or older, has mastered the lyrics to over 4,000 songs without ever seeing the words once. How did we accomplish this amazing feat? We all know that we did it through a concept called spaced repetition. It's how you learned the little jingles when you were kids. It's how most of you today, if I said to you, Winston tastes good like a... And you're 30 or 40 or 50, you can immediately jump in and say, cigarette should. And if you're younger than that, you probably have no idea what I'm speaking about because that ad was banned and pulled from television by the United States government over 27 years ago. So if obviously, if you're 25 years of age or younger, you probably would never have heard those words. Nor would you have heard, you know, plop, plop, fizz, fizz. And you can probably finish the balance of that, which of course is, oh, what a relief it is. That hasn't been on television for decades, and yet those words are still instantly recognizable to us that were inundated with that information as children. We didn't take notes. We didn't focus on that. It was just there. And when we heard it again and again and again and again, it made an impression on us. And probably we have those products in our homes, not necessarily the cigarettes, but you would be amazed at how we are influenced by what goes into our mind, how we focus on that information, and how that manifests itself in our reality. I mean, let's face it, the, the advertisers of the world aren't ignorant of the fact advertising does indeed work. So how do the 38 philosophies fit into all of this? Well, this special bonus CD that you'll be listening to 30 minutes in the morning, 
what I would recommend is that you listen to it in the bathroom when you're getting ready for the day. Just go get yourself a little CD player, preferably one that also has audio cassette capability because there are so many good programs still to this day available on audio cassette tape. Plug it in there and when you walk in to shower and shave and put on your makeup and do all the other things that we do when we're getting ready for the morning, you can simply turn on the CD. You can let this information flow over you while you're getting ready for the day. And then after you come home from your event, from your meeting, from your job, from whatever has kept you out, it's the last thing before you're going to close your eyes, pull the covers up, and just drift off into hopefully a blissful and very restful night's sleep. I'm going to ask you to invest 30 more minutes with me and listen to this CD, The Night Side, one more time. 30 minutes in the morning with the day, 30 minutes in the evening with the night, Make absolutely certain that you are using the night only at home. Don't be in the car driving with this because it's designed to relax you. Make absolutely certain that you're at home where you can be uh, completely relaxed, close your eyes, and really allow this information to affect you. Because these 38 philosophies, if listened to every day for 30 days, will affect the way you actually begin to think. Let me give you an example. I'm going to highlight just a few of them. What if you had access to this information? What if in your head you actually believed that you shouldn't worry about the people who say no? You should instead focus on those who simply don't know. What if you were processing that whenever someone said, not interested, and immediately you thought, hey, I'm not going to worry about the people who say no. I'm going to focus on the people who don't know, and you simply made another call. What if you believe the words of Jim Rohn who said, if you share a good idea long enough, it will eventually fall on good people? Well, if you knew that and you combined even those first two philosophies, not to worry about the people who say no, but to focus instead on those who simply don't know, and that if you shared a good idea long enough, it would eventually fall on good people. And then what if, you know, if some of the frustration came along and whatnot, you thought, well, but I don't know what I'm doing. I don't really understand this. I need to, I need to know everything first. I should go through this program and, and learn and study and grow. Well, what if you had these words from Aristotle floating around in your head day after day after repetitive day? That the things we have to learn before we can do, we learn by doing them. That's right. The things we have to learn before we can do them, we actually do learn by doing them. Aristotle reminded us of that a long time ago, and it's still true. So what if you absolutely knew and believed that the things that we need to learn before we can do them, we learn by doing them? That if we share a good idea long enough, it will eventually fall on good people. And that we don't worry about the people who say no, we focus on the people who don't know. What if we took Jeff Olson's advice and followed through with it? He said successful people do what unsuccessful people are unwilling to do. Make another call. Send out another audio. Get another video packet into the mail. Make sure you do one more follow-up. You do one more presentation. You go to one more event. Say, well, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. What if his words would echo back in your mind that successful people do what unsuccessful people are unwilling to do? That the things we need to learn before we can do them, we learn by doing them. That if you share a good idea long enough, it will eventually fall on good people. That we don't worry about the people who say no, we focus instead on simply those who don't know. You see how these begin to build one on top of the next, on top of the next? Critical. John Kalinch, before he passed, left us with this amazing message. Two things you can control, the quality and the frequency of your message. What if you believe that? What if that was a thought that your brain was able to ponder 
all day long. Well, you probably would work on the quality, you'd go to work on getting better, and you'd work on delivering it more often. So if you thought, the two things I can control, the quality and the frequency of my message, I'm going to do successful aren't willing aren't willing to do. Because the things I need to learn before I can do them, I'll, I'll learn by doing them. If I get out in the marketplace, I'm not going to focus on the people who say no. I'll focus on the people who don't know because if I share a good idea long enough, it will eventually fall on good people. And as these start to build and you start to think about them, the impact is overwhelming. John Wooden, one of the greatest NCAA basketball coaches in the history of the game, said, don't let what you cannot do interfere with what you can do. See, when you're sitting there going, but I don't know if I could do this. What if John's voice came into your mind and you thought about the fact that you're not going to allow what you can't do stop you from performing the things that you can do? You may not be able to stand up in front of the room and give an amazing discourse and hold the attention of your listeners, but you can probably get an audio tape into the marketplace. You may not be able to convince every single person that you have the greatest company, the most extraordinary product, good, or service, or the most amazing way to pay, but you probably can invite someone to an event, and if they say no, you're going to recognize, hey, I don't focus on the people who say no, I'm going to focus on the ones who don't know. Besides, if I share a good idea long enough, it will eventually fall on good people. And you know what? I'm going to do what unsuccessful people are unwilling to do, because that's what successful people do. And along the way, I'm going to learn all the stuff I need to learn. I'm going to get a little bit better, because the two things I can control absolutely. The two things I can control are the quality and the frequency, so I'm going to go to work on both. And I'm not going to let what I can't do interfere with what I can do. Do you see how profound these become when you start stacking them? Ogmandino said, I will persist until I succeed. What if you believed his words? Socrates said, and this is perhaps one of my favorite, when you desire wisdom with the same intensity that you desire to breathe, then nothing will stop you from getting it. See, the truth of the matter is, we could accomplish anything we wanted in life if we wanted it to that degree. When you desire wisdom with the same intensity that you desire to breathe, then nothing will stop you from getting it. What is it? It is the next book. It is the next class. It is the next CD or audio cassette tape program. Nothing will stop you from getting it. I recommend it already that you acquire and have for your personal library the little book called As a Man Thinketh by James Allen. I also strongly suggest that you acquire Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. The Magic of Thinking Big should definitely be in your library. Find yourself the audio recording on Nightingale Conad and listen to The Strangest Secret. The information is out there, and when it starts to make an impact on your mind and you dwell on it, it causes you to take action. The actions cause you to produce, and the production creates the life and lifestyle that you are so wanting to produce for you and for your family. Randy Gage said, talking with two people a day brings freedom my way. I'd love to have that thought in your mind, and 30 days from now, we will. 30 days from today, you'll be thinking every day, if I talk to two people a day, it'll bring freedom my way. Jim Rohn said, don't say if I could, I would. Say if I can, I will. So if you can get out into the marketplace, get out into the marketplace. If you can get the tapes out, get the tapes out. If you can stop by the library and pick up a copy of that book where the books are free, then do it. That's what we're talking about, is changing the way you think. How about these? Work more on yourself than you work on your business. Or if you'll become the best messenger you possibly can, the message will take care of itself. 
What if you believed that? What if you did believe that if you became the best messenger, the messenger would take care of itself, that the only two things you could control were the quality and the frequency, that when you desired wisdom with the same intensity you desired to breathe, nothing could stop you from having it. You see what happens? You start to think differently. You process information differently. You understand the following quote, that confidence is preparation's twin. And when you appreciate that, you become more confident because you are more prepared. And you're more prepared because Socrates said, when you desire wisdom and you said, I need the books, I'll I'll, I'll take the classes. And so you'll get the books, you'll take the classes, and everything will start to change. John Maxwell reminded us in his amazing book, The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, that one of the laws, the law of magnetism, is simply this. Who you are is who you attract. You want a better quality person joining your team? Become a better quality person. You want somebody who's a little bit more outgoing? Become more outgoing. You want someone who's a little bit more excited? Become a little more excited. You want somebody who's just like you? That's what you want. And over time, you will become the best you you've ever met. And when you become the best you you've ever met, and these thoughts and philosophies start working into your mind, they will affect your thinking. Your thinking will affect your actions. Your actions will produce your results, and your results will, in fact, shift so dramatically your lifestyle that within five years, people may not even recognize you. So how are we going to apply the secret? Well, take the special bonus CD, begin listening to it this evening, tomorrow morning, and then again tomorrow night, and then the following morning, give me 30 days following the instructions, watch the benefits of how you begin to think differently, and if you really want to see how this has affected you, remember the little exercise I gave you early on? To go during the day, and any time a thought came into your mind that was negative, put it on the left side, positive, put it on the other. If you want absolute, undeniable, quantifiable proof, you do that exercise right now, of course, as you're listening to these tapes for the first time, and then you take that piece of paper and you stick it away somewhere for 30 days, and then you give me 30 days listening to this CD, once in the morning, once in the evening, and 30 days later, compare those notes. The results will so astound you, you will want to make absolutely certain that every person on your team has access to this information, and of course they can acquire it through nextsera.com. So how do you get better every day? Well, remember what I mentioned early on in our conversation about attending the Brian Tracy event in Seattle, Washington, being front row center and getting that last missing piece to the puzzle? Here's what Mr. Tracy said to that audience. He said, if you wanted to be in the top 5% of the income earners in your particular company, indeed the top 5% of the income earners in your entire industry. Here's what you needed to do. Number one, you need to read for 30 minutes every day. I'll come back to this in a moment. Number two, you need to listen for 30 minutes every day to a CD or audio cassette tape. Again, I'll revisit this in a moment too. And number three, you need to take a class every quarter. 30 minutes with a good book, 30 minutes with a great audio cassette tape or CD, one class per quarter for the next five years. And if you would do that, you would find yourself in the top 5% of the people in your company, indeed the top 5% of the people in your industry. Well, sitting there in that audience so many years ago, I took Brian Tracy at his word. I began immediately applying this into my life, reading listening, 
learning, and the results have been dramatic. So what should you be reading every day? Well, here's an extraordinary list of books. In fact, I published this list on the Nexera.com website at www.nexera.com. And the link you're looking for, of course, is the link entitled Your Library. When you arrive at Nexera.com and select the Your Library link, you will find this list of books. It reads in part, TNT, The Power Within You, Extraordinary, How to Be a Gentleman, Selling the Invisible, Atlas Shrugged, Everyone Should Read That, The Einstein Factor, especially if you want to learn about your brain, The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, The Richest Man in Babylon, Psycho-Cybernetics, How to Win Friends and Influence People, The Book for Me That Started It All, Think and Grow Rich, Where Have We Heard That Title Before, The Magic of Believing, The 10 Natural Laws of Successful Time and Life Management, Hey, There's a Great Title for You, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, The Millionaire Next Door, How to Work a Room, How to Become a Rainmaker, Leaders, The Strategies for Taking Charge, Who Moved My Cheese, Relationship Selling, The Heart of a Leader, As a Man Thinketh, But Of Course, The One Minute Manager Meets the Monkey, The Five Rituals of Wealth, The Greatest Salesman in the World, Influence, The Psychology of Persuasion, and The Key to Great Leadership. Now, I don't want to give you the idea that these books were listed in any particular order. In fact, I've just been recommending one book per month for about the last 25 or 26 months on the Nexera website, and this, so far, is that list. Pick whatever book there appeals to you. Click on the link. It will take you right to Amazon.com. They'll deliver it to your front door in a couple of days, and you can immediately begin learning so that your mind starts processing information in a different way. So we want to read for 30 minutes every day. Again, the list, your library on Nexera.com. We want to listen to 30 minutes of a great audio cassette or CD program. Now, what should we be focusing on when we listen here? Well, you should be focusing on the fundamentals. And the fundamentals in our respective business are simply these. Foundation, setting a proper foundation for our business is critical. Prospecting, you know, we do have to find enough new people to talk to. Presentation, We've got to tell the story to the people we find, and duplication. We have to figure out how to teach those people who join us how to go out and set their businesses up properly, find enough new people to talk to, present to the people they find using a tool or some other method, and then again teach those people how to go out and do the same. So what I would suggest is that you look for audio cassette tapes or CDs that have that information in the subject or in the title. And might I be so bold as to suggest to you that over the years I have put together what I would consider some of the finest technical information on the subject of building your own business. Every person listening to this, I hope, at some future point in time, gets a chance to listen to 28 Days to Your New Future so that you can lay in the proper foundation. Once you've completed that program, Mastering the Fundamentals would be next. It's going to give you the basic elements you need to create that business, including prospecting, presentation, and duplication. And then I hope that you'll also move on and listen to The Secret to Developing Leaders, because we've got this big disconnect in our industry, which says, go sponsor people better than you are. Here's the disconnect. If these people are better than you are, and you recognize that, 
don't you think they'll recognize it too? Well, if they recognize that they're better than you are, why would they listen to you? So you're told to go bring these people into your business, but how do you manage the egos? How do you work with them? You'll learn how to do that on The Secret to Developing Leaders. And then we have two additional products available currently. One is your prospecting toolbox, and this has been designed for anyone that wants to effortlessly create two new contacts every day right in their own backyard. We're going to teach you the technical side of prospecting, how you dress, where you go, what a conversation might feel like, what you bring with you, and sometimes just as important, what you leave at home. We're also going to give you the emotional side of the conversation. How do you get people to instantly know you, like you, and trust you? Arguably three of the most important elements of successful prospectors. And last but not least is our secret weapon, a paraliminal tape that will literally reprogram your brain to overcome call reluctance. That's right. If you put yourself on a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being I'm so shy and so timid I can hardly talk to myself, and a 10 being I'm so outgoing, so gregarious, I could talk to anyone, anywhere, about anything. Hey, where would you be right now on that scale of 1 to 10? After listening, reading, and applying the techniques contained in your prospecting toolbox, you'll find yourself 4 or 5 points higher on that same list. Imagine that. A 2 becomes a 6, a 3 becomes a 7, a 5 becomes a 9, and somebody who's already a 5 or 6 or a 7, I'm telling you, it's just off the charts incredible at what someone can actually do. And then last but not least would be The Simple Art of Duplication, an audio cassette recording that I hope every one of you gets a chance to listen to if, in fact, you have found, or if, in fact, you find, that the people who join you don't always stay. You know, there's a big difference between what works and what duplicates. And the individuals who have a chance to learn and study the simple art of duplication will not only understand those subtleties, they'll be able to apply them into their businesses to create something magnificent. And then, of course, take a class every quarter. Uh, I teach a class uh, three or four times a year entitled Telecoaching. The information is on the Nexera website. You can simply go to the search engine on Nexera and type in Telecoaching or select the drop-down menu that's on the main page. Either way, you'll find what you're looking for if you simply take the time to look. So what this really means is that every day we work on getting a little better. We work on growing our minds so that our minds can literally take over our bodies and that's a good thing, and produce the results that we're capable of producing. If we read a little every day, we'll get new ideas. Visit the Your Library link on Nexera and choose one of the books. If we listen to a good recording every day, again, we will pick up ideas and concepts and techniques that our brains can process, that we can think about, that can help us produce the realities that we actually want. And in the live classes, well... Sitting with Mr. Tracy in Seattle, Washington, and picking up this one nugget literally provided the missing piece. And I think so, too, for you listening to this CD recording, you're also going to find that this information will profoundly affect you. Just remember, focus on the fundamentals, foundation, anything that has to do with setting up your business, prospecting, presentation, duplication. That's what you should be listening to 
every day. And then above all else, remember to give yourself time. Yes, in the beginning, it's take action plus get a little better every day is going to provide the short-term success that you're looking for. And yet, in the end, it's feeding your mind that causes you to be moved to action that will create a magnificent life. Because what we know is simply this. If you use your mind the way it was intended, it will affect what you do. You know, Paul J. Meyer said it best when he wrote, Whatever you vividly imagine, ardently desire, sincerely believe, and enthusiastically act upon must inevitably come to pass. Think about those words as I read them one more time. Whatever you vividly imagine, ardently desire, sincerely believe, and enthusiastically act upon must inevitably come to pass. It's true, for out of the heart's abundance, the mouth speaks. We know this to be true. It was true 2,700 years ago when it was recorded by Solomon. It is still true today. You see, it's how your brain works. Your philosophy, which is everything you know, determines what you think about. Remember 12,000 words an hour? I like myself, I like myself, I like myself. And adding the word yet, if necessary. Your attitude determines your actions, what you do. Your actions, your results, what you get. And what you get, well, it always has, currently is, and will continue for as long as you're here to produce your lifestyle. So what does this all mean to you? What it means is that you have the dignity of choice. You decide your destiny. You get to choose whether or not you pick up the books. You get to choose whether or not you go to the classes. It isn't a budgetary concern. The library has the books and the tapes for free. You decide how much effort you want to put into becoming a better person. You decide how many individuals you want to touch and influence and become like. You decide what the little conversations you're having in your head. You decide whether those stay or whether those are improved or depart. You decide. You have the dignity of choice regarding your beliefs. You have the dignity of choice regarding the food that you put in your mouth. You have the dignity of choice regarding your life. You decide your destiny. So why is it that I'm so passionate about all of this personal development stuff? Why did I take the time to trace the history back 2,700 years and to give you hopefully enough information, education, and perhaps a little inspiration to go get the books, listen to the information that's been produced, and take the classes? Well, it's because today my life is working, but it wasn't always that way. You know, I mentioned that I had dropped out of high school, didn't go on to college, got married at 18, our son Taylor was born when I was 20, and our daughter Ashley came into the world when I was 22. And there we were, my wife and I, having been married four years with two children living in Salem, Oregon, on welfare. You know, I know exactly what it feels like to shop the all-night grocery stores at 12, 1, 2 o'clock in the morning because you're too embarrassed to go during the day and give what used to be food stamps, Monopoly money. I guess now they've changed it, but back when we had the food stamps, it was almost like this uh, Monopoly-type money that you had to give to the cashiers, and everyone knew the people that were standing in line behind you, the cashier, of course, the person who was bagging up the groceries, everyone knew exactly how you were paying with this food, and it was with government money. 
I know what it feels like to have garage sales and sell your most cherished possessions. Uh, my Fender Stratocaster guitar with a sunburst uh, pattern that I had acquired at such a young age. Magnificent guitar. Uh, sold that for the money, sold my tools, sold pretty much anything we could because, again, the food stamps didn't cover everything. I also know what it's like to have someone I respected give me a book one day. <laughs> well, he actually more like threw it at me and said, you need to read this because you're not very nice. And to go through the process of going home with that particular book, which, by the way, was by a man named Dale Carnegie, entitled How to Win Friends and Influence People, one of the most extraordinary books I believe ever written and certainly available on the Nexera website under the Your Library link. And when you're upside down like that, it's not like we take this information, we go home and say, wow, look at this, a book. I'll read it and change my life. Sure, I'll become a better person. I'll let this philosophy affect my attitude, my attitude, my actions, my actions, my results. My results will produce the most extraordinary life. That's not the way you process information because you don't think that way. And I can't tell you even to this day why I picked that book up one day and read it. Uh, but I can tell you after about the second or third chapter, I recognized he was right. I wasn't very nice, and I have been working on changing that now for the better part of 20 years. You know, a lot of those patterns run real deep, but if I can change, you can change. If I can go out into the marketplace and get the books, you can go out into the marketplace and get the books. I borrowed mine from the library in the beginning. My first set of tapes came as a gift from my father-in-law. I didn't even have an audio cassette player in my car. I had to go get one and bolt it to the dash of my 1964 Oldsmobile so that I had the opportunity to listen. And my first set of tapes were by a man named Tommy Hopkins, entitled How to Master the Art of Selling Anything. I practically wore those tapes out. And yet what happened was, having access to that information, I went from earning $6,000, and I don't care how you cut it, you're not going to make it on that kind of money, to earning over $30,000 in just six months' time. And over $19,000 the following six weeks. I'm telling you something. I took that information and I applied it and I went out into the marketplace and I started changing the person that I was because I was in the same area. I was working for the same company. I had access to the same product to the same price. The government hadn't changed its elected officials. The only thing that was different during that period of time was me. I became a different person, and the results changed dramatically. So I'm asking you right now, wherever you are, just think for a moment about your life. Think about the relationships that you have. Think about the people you care about the most. Think about the home that you're in. Think about the money you've got in your bank account. Think about all of those things that are important, and just ask yourself this question. Is this the way I want my life to be? And if the answer is no way, that's maybe one of the reasons you're listening to this program is no way, then start where you are right now. Make a decision to grab the bonus CD. Make a decision to get that into your bathroom or get it into your CD player or Get it somewhere where we can invest the next 30 days together. The CD, the day track in the morning, the night track in the evening. You give me 30 days twice a day. You go to the library, Nexera, wherever you need to go, and you get the book, 30 days. You start signing up for the classes, 30 days. You give me the time, 30 days. You apply the activity, and I can promise you this, if you'll do your part, 
the information will do its part. And over time, 30 days will become 60, 60, 90. 90, 180, and 180 will turn into a year faster than you can even say, wow, I can't even imagine it's been a year. A year will become two, and then three, and then five. And at the end of five years, if you will simply do the daily disciplines, giving me 30 minutes every day with a good book, 30 minutes every day with a great CD or audio cassette tape program, and sign up for four classes a year in your chosen field. Five years from this moment in time, five years from today, you'll understand you decided your destiny. And I can promise that five years from today, people will be asking you, how did you do it? And the best part of all is that five years from today, you will be able to teach them. You'll be able to teach them what you've learned about the mind. You'll be able to teach them what you've learned about activity. You'll be able to let them know then, just like I'm letting you know now, that you decide your destiny.